Hey there, all you strange and wonderful people out there. This is your host, Simon, and of the SW Podcast of Weirdness, coming to you from my well, usual undisclosed location amidst all this craziness. And uh, today I would like to talk to you about, uh, well, normally on this podcast we talk about well, anything, you know, anything strange, anything weird, or anything normal, you know, just whatever comes to mind. Lately, these podcasts have been entirely random. It's been spur of the moment thing, but this is one that uh, I've been, you know, wanting to do for a while. Because, you know, initially I wanted to do this with, you know, Tragic Johnson, you know, the two of us together, because this is a subject we both like to talk about. And, you know, it was his idea that, hey, you know, like, we should do this sometime. Actually, no, yeah, yeah, it was. He was like, hey, you know, we should talk about this sometime. It was, I think it was his idea. But sadly, he couldn't be here today, given the current situation going on around the world. And I couldn't exactly get him on the phone. So, I guess so I'll have to do it without him. Shame, though. I mean, it could have been. Maybe someday in the future we'll do a, I don't know, a commentary. A commentary on this? You know, like, uh, not a commentary, what's this? I don't know, it's like, you know, like a com- a follow-up, yeah. Someday we'll do a follow-up on this one. Shit. And today, uh, I want to talk to you about, well, a missed opportunity, you know, in the world of wrestling. Not just the world of wrestling, but the world of the WWE. A missed opportunity, something that could have been, you know, the biggest thing since the NWO. The biggest thing since, I don't know, freaking... Yeah, it's evolution. You know, I want to talk today about the Nexus, the group from it, group known as the Nexus, consisting of a bunch of NXT rookies who made it up to the main roster. So those rookies were Wade Barrett, Heath Slater, Justin Gabriel, <clears throat> Michael Tarver, Skip Sheffield, Daniel Bryan. I think that was initially. Uh, yeah, yeah, Darren Young was there too. That was the initial group, I mean, the original group. The group would later go on to feature the likes of uh, Husky Harris and Mason Ryan, Michael McGillicuddy, and let's see, David Otunga. Yeah, yeah, David Otunga. Shit, I can't remember. having trouble remembering all these names. These guys, I mean, I in, in the beginning, I said, like, these guys were, like, the biggest thing since NWO, and since, like, they, they were... The closest thing to WWE's very own NWO, you know, they were the closest thing WWE had to their very own NWO, and that includes the time that WWE actually had the NWO. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, these guys—they could have been, they could have been so much. They could have been huge. Could have been the biggest thing they hit wrestling, because when they arrived, they—it was a huge deal, you know. The, these and a bunch of rookies showed up in the main event of Raw one time, one episode of Raw in 2010, and they assaulted John Cena. And it didn't stop there. The cool thing is it didn't stop there. It just, man, they utterly, absolutely just annihilated everything in their path. I mean, they took the ring apart. They attacked the commentators. They attacked Justin Roberts and that also, that uh, that was bad because attacking Justin Roberts led to him getting choked out with his own tie, and that led to the firing of Daniel Bryan. 
and you know the nexus after that they seemingly looked unstoppable they attacked legends like the undertaker and you know, they went from strength to strength until SummerSlam, oh, crap and that's when well and truly the wheels started to fall off they got into a beef with john cena john cena absolutely tore through them and they lost any and all credibility you know just before they were inevitably well they just temporarily split into two factions like one oh and cm punk took over you know before inevitably they disbanded and just oh what could have been anyway although that's a shitty way to describe it it's actually a lot better see i'm gonna like read the basically give you like a proper idea of what the nexus was like so on the february 2 2010 edition of ecw oh wait that's the backstory yeah yeah, yeah. that's some backstory into the oh, this is before the nexus was a thing mcmahon vince mcmahon announced that he that ecw would re- be replaced by nxt okay and you know described nxt as the next evolution of wwe tv history the concept of the stable was each original member of nxt was a contestant on the first season of the nxt program this was back when like you know nxt wasn't the show we know today it didn't have like championships and matches nxt was a game show back then you know people were carrying beer kegs and you know making promos about mustaches and just some truly ridiculous things that made you wonder what the hell is this like this is i don't i don't know what what, i don't know what this is but this is not wrestling this is just a game show i mean the hell i didn't get it i didn't i didn't that's why i didn't watch it like i saw a couple episodes and i was like the fuck is this carrying beer kegs and shit like what is this man like dude they're running chugging and uh whatever dude this is it sounds like some crap you do in a frat man this doesn't sound like like i don't know the next generation of WWE superstars what does this have to do with being a you know there's a lot of things in life where you stop and think to yourself what does this have to do with anything whether you're i don't know learning to be a teacher or you're learning to be a wrestler or learning to do anything there will i there will be a point where you think to yourself what does this have to do with anything that i'll have to do later on it doesn't seem to tie in and you know in some professions they'll it will tie in some professions will explain like actually it ties into this manner like if you know how to do this you'll be able to do that or have the knowledge necessary to figure out how to do something like something else it ties in in some fields in other fields like well the nexus or whatever it doesn't seem to tie in at all it's just you know it's all it serves to accomplish is to waste everyone's time just yeah that's what that show felt like for me not nothing ever really positive came from the original incarnation from the nxt this in my opinion but anyway um yeah, the NXT program was, was composed of the talent from WWE's developmental Tory Florida Championship Wrestling. That was a better proving ground for, like, up-and-coming wrestlers than NXT was at the time. FCW was, you know, it was the shit. 
it was where guys like Seth Rollins, Sasha Banks, Biggie, Wade Barrett, Heath Slater, all they cut their teeth before making it onto NXT and then the main roster. That was a proper program. That was where you could say, yeah, that's the developmental territory. I think before it was eventually, you know, it eventually became NXT. So, um, yeah, 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 moving on, moving on, you know, the NXT guys had mentors, yada, yada. Uh, oh yeah, the winner of the NXT competition one was Wade Barrett. And as a result, he was awarded a WWE contract. Yeah. And a champion match at a pay-per-view of his choosing. Which he ultimately chose to be Knight of Champions. Yow! <laughs> hell, of a, hell of a guy, that Wade Barrett. Man, I'll get into properly the, describing him later on. He was a hell of a dude towards the end of his career I mean, in WWE. He had an awesome gimmick. But yeah, um... What else? Yeah, yeah. Well, the other guys were seemingly left without a job, and like the way Wade Barrett tells it, you know, he won a a contract, and he naturally assumed that everyone else would either be fired or sent back to developmental. What really happened was in like the story he tells on the it was inside the ropes. Yeah, I think that's the name of the podcast. Inside the ropes in, on that YouTube channel. He tells the story of how one day he showed up to Raw and <laughs> like funny thing is like uh, they wouldn't let him in the locker room. Yeah, they wouldn't like he was like, Man, I've been I've been wrestling for six years now, like uh, surely I'm like one of you guys now, like I've got a contract and everything. He's like, Oh they won't let him in the locker room, like, oh well, I uh, guess I'm still a rookie. <laughs> like what is th- he was like, what is this going to end? Oh shit. It's funny, man, you should really yeah, you should really check this shit out, the story's good, so one day he got called into like uh, Vince's office during this episode of Raw, and there were all these guys. There were these writers. There was Triple H. There was all the NXT dudes there. You know the the, the guys who are on the first season of NXT. They were all there. They were told that you know in I mean, event of the show. There, see, he naturally assumed like, okay, we we must have done something wrong. Something must have gone wrong. You know, nobody ever gets called to like Vince's office unless like they've done something, something's gone wrong, or like Vince wants to see them or something. So he goes in, like from the story, he goes in there, all the dudes are waiting, and he tells them that they want him to, uh, to a, the main event of the show, they want this, him and his guys to show up and wear these little armbands with an N on them. And initially, there was no nexus, there was no plan, there was just, you know, wear armbands with an M on. The group didn't have a name yet, so... <clears throat> One day... And, uh, yeah, that day, they were told that they were to attack John Cena in the main event. And they were to destroy everything. You know, tear apart like, the ring ropes, uh, over the announce table, attack the announcers, like everybody. But two rules. One, don't attack any of the fans. Now, I get it, okay, don't attack any of the fans, but that's, that obviously goes without saying. Well, why'd you bother saying it at all? Don't attack the fans. Oh yeah, sure, no problem. And next rule was, don't attack, don't touch the cameras. Because these were like, these are really expensive as cameras. I'm talking like HD fucking Sony cameras, man. They're, They're like 10 grand each. So, 
like Vince Man is prepared to like spend money on this, you know, destroying the ring and all that, but he's not prepared to spend that kind of money on this. <laughs> so whatever. It, you know, but they really should have let them know another two rules: don't spit and no choking out the commentator with his own tie. That plays in later, because yeah. Uh, what was I gonna say? Shit. So la then later on the show they showed up and yeah this this is what the and you know I'm gonna whatever this is gonna go well. Let me just read the Wikipedia thing because I'm kind of floundering here. The group made its debut on June 7, 2010, Viewers Choice Edition of Raw. And the main event was CM Punk faced John Cena after beating Rey Mysterio and then Jack Swagger with 45% of the viewer vote. And he attacking Cena, Punk. Oh yeah, the group attacked Cena, Punk, Luke Gallows, Jerry Lawler, NXT host Matt Stryker, Michael Cole, and then the ring announcer Justin Roberts, the timekeeper, and other WWE personnel around the ring. They destroyed everything, including the ring itself. That part about like destroying the ring itself, like Wade Barrett goes on to elaborate that Finley. I think it was told him to like cut open the ring. He even gave him like a little knife to it. He's like, cut open and remove the ring canvas. He's like, like why? Like what? See, the reason he wanted him to do that, he said, was because he wanted to expose the ring to show like it's just like hard wooden panels underneath. Cause people assume sometimes that the the ring pestle is like a big almost bouncy castle that the wrestlers jump on. No, it's hard wood. And, you know, eventually, not eventually, but like, and, you know, since the show was right about to end, they were gonna take apart the ring anyway. Figured may as well save the trouble. And Wade Barrett said that when you're working on, like, the indies, you set up and take a ring. To, when you show up, before the show starts, you have to help set everything up. You have to help put up the ring. And when the show's over, no matter how tired you are, you have to help take it apart. And that was pretty much the last ring he had ever taken apart in his career. So moving on, the the match ended in a no contest. During the attack, which ended with Cena being taken out on a stretcher, Daniel Bryan strangled Roberts with his own tie, and in a sign of disrespect, spat in Cena's face. That led to him being released from his contract because you know, like the sponsors, apparently didn't like them and they thought it was too violent for like for like the PG rating on TV to have a guy get choked out with his own tie and the, like the shot like it looks it looks fucking violent as hell to see dude choked out with his tie but yeah um yeah, yeah, yeah you know they later go on to explain this like Barrett saying that uh he was felt remorse for those actions and he was kicked out as a result he was kicked out of the groove. <laughs> so, yeah, the Nexus went on to tear. I mean, they were the main bad guys on Raw for a while. They attacked a bunch of people. They attacked general manager Bret Hart, Vince McMahon himself, Ricky Steamboat, Dusty Rhodes, and they would intervene in pay-per-views, like when uh, they showed up in Fatal... Wait a minute. Yeah, they would interrupt pay-per-views, too. They'd attack random people like John Cena and shit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 whatever. So, during the summer of 2010, Nexus had a feud with Cena. 
First Cena was scared of his next in a 701 handicap match on July 12 edition of Raw, but Cena attacked Darren Young the previous week, removing him from the following week's scheduled match, which became a 6-on-1 handicap match. The Nexus won anyway, no shit, because 6-on-1, it would be- Oh, then he decided- that's when he decided to be realistic, that- that peeves me about that, it's coming soon, but like- John Cena, okay, he lost a six-on-one handicap match, that I understand, I mean, it makes sense, six guys can beat one guy, and that's the last time you'll see that, like, that logic of there, multiple guys can beat one dude, with that, next one, and at Money in the Bank in 2010, the Nexus tried to get involved in the championship match, which is between Sheamus and Cena in a steel cage, Sheamus and Cena were able to hold him off, and Sheamus retained his WWE title. And at SummerSlam, this is where things start to fall apart. And the page reads, At SummerSlam, the Nexus faced the team of Cena, Hart, Edge, Chris Jericho, John Morrison, and R-Truth, and the returning Daniel Bryan. Uh, and they lost after Cena pinned Gabriel, who missed on a 450 splash attempt, and submitted Barrett with the STF. According to Edge and Jericho, the original plan was to put Barrett over and establish them as legitimate threats to WWE, Edge and Jericho being the last members of Team WWE to be eliminated. But Cena refused to lose to the Nexus and had the finish changed around the time of the event. Nexus members Heath Slater and Darren Young later stated that they agreed the Nexus loss at SummerSlam permanently crippled the stable's momentum. They were right! Everybody except that Cena was right on this instant. The Nexus losing at this freaking point to one dude totally crippled their momentum and it totally undermined their credibility. I mean, how are these guys scary anymore if they can be beat by one guy who's had his head freaking DDT'd onto the concrete? One dude! I mean, the situation was like this. Everybody had been eliminated except three members of the Nexus and John Cena. And, you know, you think, okay, it's over. These three guys are going to jump Cena, pin him, and call it a day. But no, he fucking supermans it at the end and just saves the day, send the crowd home happy, and ultimately shoots the group in the foot by doing so. So much for their being a threat. So much for their, oh, rising stardom. And that was it. This is just sad. Whatever. The following night on Raw, in order to find the weak links of the group, the Nexus invoked their SummerSlam rematch clause and competed in seven one-on-one -on -one matches against Team WWE, with the stipulation that whichever Nexus member lost their match would be exiled from the group. Darren Young was the only member who lost as he failed to defeat John Cena. Of course he did. See, thought it was the last time common sense would come into play here. As a result, they attacked Young with their respective finishing moves and exiled him from the group. <sighs> it wasn't just bad booking that plagued the Nexus, it was bad luck. You know, like, <clears throat> injuries would follow, man. They were plagued by injuries. Skip Sheffield broke his ankle during a tag match. Michael Tarver got injured. And, you know, this would... Uh, this, even if they'd won it, you know, SummerSlam, this would... You know, Skip Sheffield, Michael Tarver got injured, and you know, he'd later be replaced by Husky Harris and Michael McGillicuddy. 
you know, that's, oh, Husky Harris, yeah, I'll get to that, that's some really good thing, Husky Harris and Michael McGillicuddy, who joined on the October 25, 2010 edition of Monday Night Raw. Barrett managed to win a match and keep the group going on, oh, shit, hang on a second, yeah, 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 yeah. Cena was forced to join. Yeah, he. Oh, I remember this. Cena was forced to join the Nexus. This could, this could have set things back on track. This could have been an interesting thing. I mean, you could have had done so many other things with this. You could have had John Cena turn heel and like fully ally himself with the Nexus, or you could have had John Cena like turn heel and take over the Nexus, forming his very own NWO-like group. You know. This could have saved the sinking storyline, man. But no, just, ah. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, Cena attacked Michael Tarver. And Barrett stated that he was planning on getting rid of Tarver anyway. And he was no longer a member. In reality, Tarver had an, suffered an injury and was released from his contract in June 2011. <sighs> Whatever. The anonymous broad general manager, another storyline that could have been something good, but ultimately just wasn't. The anonymous broad general manager. Fucking story. Dirty has these awesome angles that could be something awesome, you know, they could be revealed to be something truly new and interesting, and they somehow screw up. Just, ah, uh, man, why do I even bother? Yeah. Oh yeah, the Cena joining the NWO, the Nexus meant that, you know, he had to follow Barrett's orders or he'd be fired. And Barrett ordered him to help him win <clears throat> the WWE title or he'd be fired. See, the first time around, Barrett, eesh. okay, during this time, um, Cody, Cena and Otunga defeated Cody Rhodes and Drew McIntyre to win the WWE Tag Team Championship. And Barrett told John Cena, like, hey, if uh, if I don't win this match, you're fired, you know. So John Cena helped him win, but he won by disqualification. So technically, Orton kept his title, and John Cena mm, kept his job. Because, like, technically Barrett won. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Then... <laughs> Later at Survivor Series, he declared that unless he won the title, Cena would be flat out fired. Not if we won't be disqualification or not. If, if like if he doesn't walk out WWE champion, you're fired. That's it. And there was this whole thing like Cena was like uh like there was this oh they want to say it was this huge inner turmoil, you know? Like man, I I don't want to help Wade Barrett win, but at the same time I don't want to lose my job. And I'm thinking. Like when I was, so I was thinking, dude, it's Randy Orton. Are you really trying to protect Randy Orton's reign? Don't you guys like hate each other? What happened to all that like 20, remember not even, not even like a year, not even, it was like a few months earlier, I think, where John Cena and, and Randy Orton were having these back-to-back -back matches and like they couldn't stand each other and shit. Like, are you honestly telling me you're trying to save this guy's title reign? Don't you guys like despise each other and shit? Shouldn't that be like the least like leverage of all people on the roster? Shouldn't that be like the least, like the last person you'd want to save the title reign? Shouldn't you be like, oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I mean, I get it. John Cena's a good guy. He's not been like, oh, definitely. Let's end this guy's title reign. No, but still, dude, 
he's the last guy you could use against you. Like, man, I don't want him to beat this dude or whatever. <sighs> whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. Following that, I don't know. Justin Gabriel hits Slater won the tag team championship after Barrett ordered Otonga to allow Slater to pin him. So whatever. The next, after a while, the Nexus was defeated in a 5-on-5 tag match by Edge, Del Rio, Big Show, Kane, and Kofi Kingston. Barrett did not approve. Barrett did not approve Otonga's decision to lead the Nexus to SmackDown, and as a result, forced him to defend his spot in the group the following week. Thanks to interference from Kane, Otunga defeated Edge in a lumberjack match. <clears throat> ah, whatever. Orton retained his WWE Championship against Barrett via pinfall following an RKO, and Cena was fired from the WWE and subsequently exiled from the Nexus. First of all, that should have. I mean, nobody believed dude was really fired, especially once he started showing up on TV and beating people up. That's when we're like, nope. This motherfucker's not fired. This guy... Uh, first of all, if he was realistically fired and he was just like a rogue fan jumping into the arena, security would have tackled his ass and escorted him out of the ring. That's that's what WWE needs to work on when the you're fired stories and shit. Like, when you have a former WWE superstar showing up on TV and like hijacking the show, where's security? Yet if a regular ass fan does that, security is all over them and shit. Damn, the interference was, oh, this interference was the real, like, it was totally, it totally removed any remaining credibility the group had, because this was, again, one dude taking on all these guys, beating them up on segments of Raw, just, this group was being embarrassed and pummeled by one freaking guy, over and over and over, until he was eventually rehired. What the hell, dude? The, the fuck, man? <sighs> Shit. Yeah, this led to a TLC match through that year. And Cena was a heel during this time. I don't care what anyone said, dude. The shit he did, he was a, he was a bad guy in this story. I mean, uh, he beat Bird Barrett in a chairs match, okay? That's one thing. But then he dumped this pile of chairs on him. There was like this... I don't know, monkey chain of like chairs that set up as decorations and he pulled the chain and they all just tumbled on top of Wade Barrett. Even CM Punk was on commentary noted like, hey man, Nick, this is unnecessary. You just freaking attacked this dude. This is unnecessary. It's not right. Shit. <sighs> and well, the following year, on January 3, 2011 edition of Raw, the Nexus ambiguously announced that after months of repeated attacks on Cena, that they were under new management. But CM Punk, who disbanded the Straight Edge Society as their new leader, having acquired the position after Wade Barrett lost the Steel Cage match to Ray Orton. Ah, and Sheamus, thanks to Punk, and was subsequently exiled from the Nexus, which was now renamed the New Nexus, to distance itself from its former leadership. After refusing to follow Punk's orders of initiation by hitting each other with kendo sticks, Gabriel and Slater left the group the following week. On Raw, opting George Barrett and former ECW champion Ezekiel Jackson in the core. Okay, that could have been interesting. That could have been something. See, there's a lot of things in this whole Nexus and thing 
That could have been interesting. It could have been something. Like, you could have had the Nexus versus the core in this feud that led up to a big pay-per-view. Like, I don't know, have it culminate at the Royal Rumble or something. But nah, I don't think they did that. Husky Harrison with Tonga completed Punk's initiation. On the January 17th, 2011 edition of Raw, Mason Ryan joined the Nexus after interfering in Punk's match against Cena before Punk handed Ryan a Nexus armband. Yeah. And at the Royal Rumble, the new Nexus, who are part of the 40-man Royal Rumble, cost Orton his rematch clause from Mrs. WWE Championship, starting a feud with him. I remember like the promo for like WrestleMania 27 with like CM Punk. It was like, Randall! <laughs> It was funny that he just like he was like uh, basically the story was that his punk remembered all those years ago when he got punted by uh, Randy Orton and injured, which forced him to vacate his World Heavyweight Championship, and this he was finally getting his revenge for that. Like that was, I mean, two years ago I think. Yeah, it was roughly two years ago, and he finally get decided to get revenge. It was like as long as you and I breathe the same air, you will never be WWE champion. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I I get it, man. I get how the story was uh, presented and thing, but still. Oh shit, that was. So, address minute twenty-seven. Well, whoo! Oh, in the lead up to that, not to mention in the lead up, the group was made to look even weaker when see when. Orton punted almost every single one of them, taking him out of action and leaving Punk all by himself at WrestleMania, which he then went on to win. You know, Orton won match at WrestleMania and then won the rematch at Extreme Rules. <sighs> Woo! The shame. Ah, oh, the shame. Though this would later. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Miz blamed Alex Riley for him losing the WWE Championship to Cena at Extreme Rules. Yeah, whatever. I'm all over the place here. So in June 20, 2011, Power to the People edition of Raw, Punk was originally going to be named number one contender for Cena's WWE Championship, but instead, he competed in a triple threat match with Del Rio and Mysterio with false count anyone stipulation voted for by fans, which Punk won, revealing after the match that his WWE contract would expire at Money the Bank, where he would face Cena for the WWE Championship. It was then announced that Ryan had suffered an injury, Mason Ryan, over the weekend and left the group. That same night, a brash punk realized a worksheet punk. The pipe bomb! <laughs> Reminding that once his contract expires, that he, it would be the last time WWE would ever see him and the WWE Championship. Because he wanted to take the title with him to like Ring of Honor, New Japan. Oh shit, that would have been awesome, dude. And that Python promo was awesome. It's like, oh hey, Coke Cabana, how you doing? <laughs> Whoops, I'm breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> oh. And at Money in the Bank, you know, after CM Punk, the, the Nicholas hadn't disbanded yet, so after CM Punk beat John Cena and left the company, that was it. He was technically, the WWE Championship was finally held by a member of the Nexus on their last night of existence. I guess, you know, silver linings, you know, take your victories where you can get them. You know, the WWE champ, finally a member of the Nexus became WWE champion, which would have happened like a lot sooner if they'd had continued along the, you know, planned trajectory, but, oh, damn, whatever. So the group's final members, 
functioned as a tag team with the Nexus banner until August 1, 2011, and continued without the banner until August 22, when the group permanently disbanded after 14 months of existence. Man, it was a damn shame. As the group... Okay, now Legacy of the Nexus. As the group predicted, it would serve as a launching pad for the... Several debuting superstars in the WWE at that time, but some members would later be repackaged with later degrees of success. Okay, out of the group members, Daniel Bryan and Husky Harris would go on to have the biggest success because Daniel Bryan later reemerged, you know, with this yes, yes, yes. He won the United States title, Intercontinental title, Tag Team title, World Heavyweight Championship, Money in the Bank, WWE Championship, you know, and he still wrestles to this day. Husky Harris would later be repackaged as Bray Wyatt, the leader of worlds. You know, he joined the Wyatt family. He won the tag titles with Randy Orton. He won the WWE Championship. And he would later repackaged again as The Fiend. He went then went on to win the Universal Championship. And, you know, that's what he's doing to this day. Hey, you know, he's pretty successful in his own right. Those are the two most successful members of the Nexus, by the way. Actually, technically, that's CM Punk, but... Okay, from the point the Nexus started, yeah, Harris and Brian would be the most successful members. Um, so, yeah, that was it. Heats later is technically the longest... Sur- Actually, technically, that's wide, because he still works here. I mean, not here, but he still works at WWE. Technically, the longest surviving member of the Nexus... No, no, no! Yeah, 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 it is Heath Slater, or was Heath Slater, he was recently released by WWE on this like, this like really touching segment of Raw that happened recently, it was uh, well today is July 8th, so it was roughly July 6th, he showed up on Raw and fought through McIntyre, and he ended with this like touching ending to his story, so that was, that was really something, you know, he was the longest surviving member of the Nexus on the main run. On the main roster, so yeah. Barrett found successes in the mid card. He wrestled as Wade Barrett, Bad News Barrett, King Barrett. He, be, he was a five time Intercontinental Champion, and I really loved his bad news gimmick. You know, I'm afraid I've got some bad news for you. Loved that shit, it was awesome. But like, Dirty made him stop doing that. They were like, people are starting to chant alongside you when you say bad news. Like, isn't that the point of a fucking catchphrase? Isn't that the point of a catchphrase to get people to chant alongside you when you do that shit? That means it's working. That means they love your shit, man. Damn. Fuck is wrong with y'all? Don't you understand that's how catchphrases work? So what if people are chanting alongside it? It doesn't mean you must stop. It means that your promotion is working. Your your push for this guy, it's working. It's going exactly as planned. You're sabotaging the wrestler by doing that. Shit, if he has a catchphrase that works and people are digging it, don't tell him to stop doing it. Unless it's like seriously inappropriate or something, then you should stop doing it. But damn dude, King Barrett, you know, he won King of the Ring and he was cool when he, you know, he later went on to join the League of Nations. And that was another thing. I'm going to talk about that in a later podcast because that could have been something huge. That could have been, you know, something. That could have been the next evolution. Or, well, oh no, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Roughly, that could have been the next evolution. I keep saying that, but, yeah. And Skip Sheffield would be repackaged as Ryback. You know, feed me more. That guy. I did not know that this dude was Skip Sheffield. 
I did not know that shit. I just thought he was right back from the get-go. So yeah, he, he challenged for the WWE title against none other than CM Punk at like Hell in a Cell. He was essentially the closest thing WWE came to, to making their very own Goldberg. Yeah, people actually drew some pretty big comparisons. And the comparisons got even more when he traded his singlet for a pair of trunks. And he definitely, he was like a spot on WWE Goldberg. All he needed was like to shave and get the goatee and bam, Goldberg. You know, whatever. What sucks is that he left the company before Goldberg returned. Like, oh, that would have been so awesome. Have Goldberg and Ryback in the same company at the same time. Oh, shit. That would have been so cool. Yeah, we could have could had Goldberg versus Ryback, man. We could have had that. But he left before that. And I, I get it, dude. He was he was unhappy where he was. If your job isn't making you happy. If you're not happy doing what you're doing your job, you're, you're going to do a terrible job. And your job isn't making you happy. It's not satisfying. Then it's not good for you. So why would you stay in an environment that's not really fulfilling for you? So yeah, I get it. I get why I left. I don't, I'm not mad at the guy. He's doing well. He's like on YouTube and what's it called? Shooting blanks or something. Like I think one of them's called Bryback TV. Yeah, he's, he's doing good now. I'm glad about him. Yeah. Other members would be used as low mid card wrestlers. Most of them. Justin Gabriel, man. Justin Gabriel was, you know, a high flyer. He could do some amazing shit. And he's from. Cape Town, South Africa, so it was nice seeing a South African wrestler show up in WWE, man. You'd think, like, there's no chance a South African guy would ever be in WWE. No, WWE doesn't come down here, man. Ever since that idiot's low-blowed Randy Orton, that fucking idiot. He did that shit because he was a wrestler and he wanted more people to know his name. Alright, they know his name, alright. Yeah, they definitely know his name. But now you've screwed everybody, but WWE stopped coming to fucking Durban and shit. And actually, they stopped coming to South Africa for a while after that. Because of this asshole. Damn, this fucking guy. I don't think he wrestles anymore or whatnot. I hope he doesn't wrestle any fucking more. Asshole. Or whatever. So yeah, and Justin Gabriel eventually went on to be the guy in the bunny suit. In Adam Rose's Road Rosebuds. Like, he and Rose actually formed a team. I think it was called, what is it? No, no, no. Wait. Was it he and Adam Rose or he even... I think it was he and Brad Maddox. I think they were in a team called Beef Mode. Beef Mode. What the fuck kind of name is Beef Mode? Oh, shit, dude. Yeah. We got beef with you, man. The Beef Mode is engaged. Fucking shit, man. Yeah, Heath Slater. Fuck, I forgot. He was also in a tag team with Rhino. He was the first... He and Rhino were the first SmackDown Tag Team Champions. I keep forgetting about that. You know, like, he's, yo, he's got kids. Oh shit, man, it was awesome. Oh, that shit, that shit was awesome when it first broke out. You know, he's got kids. He's got like seven kids, and you know, he he, he recently bought an above-ground pool. And <laughs> oh, that shit was good. Like he bought an above-ground pool, and he needs to make the payments. Like he needs this job. You know. Oh, that was cool. That was that was awesome, man. And then at the pay-per-view, you just look in the front row, and then this... <laughs> There's like these five, six, seven red-headed kids along the, like, ramp clapping. Like, not the ramp, like, in the first row clapping about, like, oh, shit, man, is this it? 
<laughs> oh, this guy, man, he's awesome. Shit, dude. Oh, well. Michael Tarver. Oh, he was... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I wanted to tell you. In the lead-up to WrestleMania 36, there was a rumor going around that WWE wanted to do a Nexus reunion. I'm like, oh, shit, that sounds cool. You know, they contacted Wade Barrett. They contacted Darren Young. And, like, Wade Barrett was like, no. <laughs> he said no. He said no to the Nexus reunion. I I think it was because, like, around like, the time he was, like, filming this movie he was in. I don't remember what it was called, but it was this movie he was in with Vinnie Jones. You know, it's like Midnight Run with Robert De Niro, but it's got Vinnie Jones and Wade Barrett. Like, Wade Barrett is to bring in this criminal, this big shot criminal, and, you know, played by Vinnie Jones. And the trailer looks awesome. I'm going to check it out if I ever get the chance. The trailer does look really good. <clears throat> so, what else? Yeah, yeah, he said no. But, like, uh, I mean, he nowadays, Wade Barrett, I think, like, the last... I mean, I saw him outside of him doing those interviews with Inside the Ropes was when he was the general manager for, like, WCPW. You know, What Culture Pro Wrestling. And not just, like, What Culture Pro Wrestling, he was all which then became defiance you know like that i am defiance like that was that was that was actually pretty cool before they closed their doors man that was you know wcpw was it was the shit they were doing aew shit before aew you know that's where like wrestlers would go where like after kurt angle retired from tna he went to wcpw like matt hardy Wound up in, was also in WCBW, you know, like War Machine, uh, Joe Coffee, what is it, Joe Hendry, all those guys, even Drew Galloway was in WCBW. I think you remember this, like, one time he was talking to this dude backstage and he was like, uh, you're threatening this guy. He was like, find me when you find your fucking balls. Just <laughs> that shit was so funny, dude. That's a hell of a comeback right there. That's literally the beginning of the video. It was advertising a match between these two. And the video opens with like, Galloway looking at the sky and going, Find me when you find your fucking balls. Like, oh shit, dude. Oh man. He was... Hey, back then, like, shit was... Shit was cool. Oh man. Yeah, what culture had their own wrestling promotion for a while? WCPW. Mm. Bit of a mouthful, but yeah. Defiant Pro Wrestling. Okay, I get it. You're defiant, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm defiant with a defiant championship. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. And they had Eric Bischoff, I think, one time. Yeah, there were... WCPW really was something. And they had those internet pay-per-views. Yeah. I don't think most... I don't think any other promotion that I know of has internet pay-per-views. Which is really smart, because... Well, they're not the WWE. They can't afford, like, TV time. And, you know, they can't... They don't have, like, a WWE network that they can fall back on, so... It makes sense to them to have internet pay-per-views and stuff, so yeah, I get it. That was really something. But so, so yeah, White Bird, he was like doing movies and so on. Um, Darren Young, I don't, I think he's still wrestling. Oh wait, wait, let's see where everyone is now. You know, where are they now? Where, where is Darren Young? I don't know. I don't know what Darren Young is up to. Where Ryback is on YouTube doing his thing, you know, talking about like 
he actually still like talks about wrestling. I think it's like I don't know if it's a podcast or what. He's got a podcast or not, but like he talks about like how like Roman uh, walked out. Oh, he like he didn't want to be at WrestleMania 36 because he was, you know, fearful of his like health. He was worried for his safety, not his safety, but he was worried like for his health because his weakened immune system means he has a higher chance of contracting like COVID-19. <clears throat> So, yeah, he talked about it. Like, also, I don't get that, man. Dude says he doesn't want to be at WrestleMania because he doesn't want to run the risk of getting sick. And people give him shit for it? What's wrong with you people? The guy, the guy is thinking about not just himself, but he's also thinking like, yo, this match isn't going to do me any good if, like, if I get sick, if I, like, contract deadly disease and die because of it. What good would that do anybody? Fucking nothing. Like, why... Why would he risk it, you know, when WWE isn't taking the proper precautions to ensure his safety? Why would he risk contracting this disease? So yeah, I get it, man. I get, I'm not mad that he didn't show up. I'm not mad at all. It's totally understandable why he wouldn't show up. I wouldn't show up if I were him. I get it, so. Why, what's wrong with people? And uh, David Otama still works in WWE, I think. He does that, um, the kickoff show with not Sam, I think that's his name, not Sam, or Sam something, whatever. Yeah, he does the kickoff show with that guy sometimes. Uh, who else? Hmm. Dan Bryan still works there, Bray Wyatt still works there, Heath, Heath Slater no longer works there. Fucking else is still, was in the Nexus. Uh, Michael Tarver, he's, um, he's, um, I don't know what the fuck Michael Thomas doing. He needs this shit. He needed this shit. He, he actually like would would could have fucking needed the the fucking thing. What's this the uh, the reunion? He could have been really helped by this. I mean, most people don't even know who the fuck Michael Tarver is. If you most people probably couldn't pull him out of a lineup if they saw him. Yeah, it's just yeah. Mason Ryan. I don't know what the fuck he's doing neither. These motherfuckers could have really used this whole. Reunion deal. Shit. Oh, that's what sucks, man. I mean, even if they had the NXT reunion, what would they really do? What would they... What could they possibly have done? Oh, you know what could have been awesome? Could have been awesome if they showed up in, like, that Firefly Funhouse match. And, like, they attacked John Cena during, like, that, that segment where Bray Wyatt rewinds time and shows, like, all of Cena's moments. You know, they could have had a moment where he, the part where he single-handedly defeated the Nexus, and they just, like, undo that. But, <laughs> yeah, they just, like, undo all of that. Like, Gabriel kicks out, and they absolutely beat up Cena. That would have been something, dude. That would have been awesome. Shit, I'm always kind of bummed they didn't have their reunion. Shit, dude. Man, those were the, that could have been something. I keep saying that a lot. The Nexus could have been something. They could have been... You know, they could have been the next NWO, the next Evolution, the next DX. They could have been the next big thing. But whatever, man. Because of bad booking, bad luck, bad decisions. Just, you know, they weren't. They'll always be, like, one of WWE's biggest what could have been, you know. What, oh, what could have been. They could have, you know, Wade Barrett could have been the first ever, like, English-born WWE champion, you know, like how Sheamus was the first ever Irish born 
WWE champion or how Kofi Kingston was the first African-born WWE champion. It could have been good. I mean, he could have been champ. And there was even talk that Wade Barrett would have been the one to beat the streak initially. That was the original idea. Shit. Hell. I mean... That all counts on if they'd won their match at SummerSlam against Team WWE. If that had happened, who knows where Nexus would be today. They might still be a faction, or they might have lasted a couple years longer than they did, but whatever, man. Oh well. It's one of those, I guess it's just one of those things. Anyway, uh, this has been the SNW Podcast of Weirdness episode on the Nexus. And, uh... Yes, I'll see you soon. Till next time, um, I've been Simon. This has been the SW Past Witness. Uh, peace and chicken grease. We walk alone in the unknown. We eliminate another victories. <laughs> you know, they had a kick ass theme song. You know, we are one, we are one. Like, okay, like, shit, like, oh, I think I can put a spin on that. Like, because up we are we are strange we are weird we are we're the SNW <laughs>